have a question for you as we begin. Have you ever wanted to tell someone about Jesus, but you chickened out? Anybody else like me in the room? I've done that a lot. And you think, that can't be true. You're a pastor. It's true. I've chickened out a lot. I think we've all done this. They tell us that there are two things that we shouldn't talk about. What are they? Politics and religion. Why? Because the conversation could get challenging. The conversation could get awkward. Maybe someone has a different opinion than you. <gasps> no! Maybe it just would be tumultuous and you're just like, I don't want to go there. But here's the problem. The problem is that if we don't talk about politics, then life now will stink. If we say, oh, let's just, let's just not do politics right, let's not do it well, let's not govern ourselves well and just let ever, whatever happens, happens. If that's the way we deal with politics and governing ourselves as a people, then, it, then history will tell us what? The most powerful people and the people with the largest club will beat us to death. So we better get politics right. Correct? That's why our founding fathers put together this great document called the Constitution. And in my opinion, it was actually maybe partly God in the middle of that. And that's why it's done such a good job of helping us all be equal. That's why we have to talk about politics, because life now matters. And that's also why we need to talk about Jesus, because eternity matters. So if we don't talk about these two things, then life right now could stink and life in eternity could stink if we don't figure out how important these two things are. Well, we're studying right now the letter of 1 Corinthians to the church. If you have your journal, you can pull it out and you can take notes on your uh, adult page that is for and your kid page for chapter 2. I'm going to jump into chapter 2 and I want to read... I want to read the first five verses of chapter two because I'm convinced that these verses will help you tell others about Jesus. It's one of the most important things we ever do in our lifetime, tell someone else about the goodness of Jesus, about the cross, about the resurrection, about the miracles of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. And why should we do this? Because people's eternity is at stake. We do this because heaven and hell are real, and we know that they are, and we know how you end up in each one. And because we want our friends and our family and our coworkers and our neighbors and everyone on this planet to be in heaven with us. And with the Lord. Well, there's, there's great power in the text that we're looking at this morning. The Apostle Paul, as we mentioned, is the author of 1 Corinthians, and he is going to share some very important things with us this morning about how to share your faith and how to talk to others about Jesus. Now, you might think that um, the Apostle Paul has that all together, 
Like he's super confident about that. He knows exactly how to tell others about Jesus. But I want you to listen to these words. And then we're going to look at four things that you and I can discover about telling others about Jesus that are interesting from these verses. Look at it with me. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. He said, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you about God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ and the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching was very plain. Much like mine, I guess, plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Now, I, I found four things that I thought were really interesting in this section of verses. And, and I thought they were extraordinary because they were great news to me. Because there's lots of models and lots of ways to, to tell people about Jesus, and most of them are good. Some of them not so good, maybe because they just have a harsh tone to them. But I want us to, to talk about four things that, that I think can help us as we tell someone else about Jesus. Here's the first thing that I discovered right there in verse one, and that is the number one thing is you don't need to use lofty words and impressive wisdom. Isn't that good news? Like you don't have to have everything figured out. Here's what Paul said. The apostle Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, who has accounted for most of our theological understanding and believing, he says, I didn't use lofty words an impressive wisdom to tell you about God's secret plan, which was Jesus. See, I think what most people really want is an authentic, real conversation about God with you. They like you. You're their friend or their neighbor or their coworker, and they like you. They don't want to argue with you. They don't want to feel judged by you. They just want to talk to you about Jesus. They don't want to be impressed into the gospel like the gospel is a slick car. The gospel is not a used car and you need to slick your hair back and get ready to drop the deal down. That's not what we're talking about here. What people need is the real thing, so give them the real thing. Maybe you could even start by listening or asking a question. Ask them what they think about Jesus, what they know about Jesus. Tell them a story. Tell them a story about your own life, about how Jesus changed you and is changing you right now. Because they want to hear if Jesus is real, if he's really doing something in you right now, if he's making a difference in your life. They want to know what it's really like to have a relationship 
with the God of the universe, with our heavenly Father, our Savior, and Lord. Now I know sometimes one of the hang-ups in telling others about Jesus can be not knowing all the answers to everyone's questions. Can I just let you off the hook? That's okay. You don't have to know the answer to every single question. Why? Because you don't always have to use lofty and impressive words with everyone. And if you're in a conversation with someone, you're in a great spiritual conversation with someone, and you're talking about Jesus, and they're sharing, and you're sharing, and this is a great dialogue, a great spiritual awesome conversation, talking back and forth and sharing about Jesus. It's not an argument. And they ask you a question, and you don't know the answer. It's very simple at that point for you to say, you know what? I, I don't think I know the answer to that question. But you know what? Could I, could I check into the answer to that question really quick uh, or, or get back to you in a week? The great part about that is it opens the door for you to start another conversation again and to have another dialogue, another spiritual conversation about Jesus. Don't make your conversation like a classroom or an interrogation. Just make it a real conversation with a person who has a real relationship with God. Now, this statement that Paul makes about not using lofty words or impressive wisdom is important because Paul was one of the smartest men that we know. He was the most intellectual person. Um, he'd spent his entire life studying God's word. He could tell you every theology forwards and backwards and in between. But listen to what he said. That's not needed right now. What's needed is for me to just simply share Jesus. I don't need to give a superior, my, all of my superior knowledge to this person about God's word. They just need real. So I want to encourage you. You don't have to use lofty and impressive words. Just be real and authentic. Now, number two. Number two, talk about Jesus and the cross. The second thing that Paul said that was interesting is he said, I decided that while I was with you, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Now, this is an interesting statement. He says, I forgot everything except Jesus Christ. This means that Jesus and the cross were the focus of all of his conversations. Now, I don't know if you've had a spiritual conversation with someone recently. A lot of the spiritual conversations I have with people because I'm a pastor, they always want to go to those really random and obscure and somewhat off-topic religious conversations. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's in that point that you realize in the middle of that conversation, we're not talking about Jesus at all. We're not talking about what really matters. We're off on some obscure tangent that, by the way, as a Christian, never even comes up because it's not even a part of life. So we need to stay focused on Jesus and the cross. So always bring the conversation back to the cross. Why? Well, because the cross is what saves us. The cross is what sets us free. The cross is the power of the gospel. And the cross is also very compelling. 
There's a compelling just thought about why would God come here and die for me? I want to hear that story. That's pretty compelling. That's pretty interesting. Why would God come here and die for me? This is an important concept. This is an important thought process to think about, and it should be something that we ponder about and answer for the rest of our life. Because what Jesus did brings us life and is eternal life. Jesus' cross is the most important event in human history. It will change the course of our future and our past and can change your present as well. This is why Paul chose to forget about everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Now, interestingly, Jesus said this about his own cross in Luke 9. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. That's an interesting thing. Each of us has a cross to bear. It's just part of our life. But we get to lay that at the feet of Jesus all the time. So talk about the cross. Talk about what the cross has done for you. Talk about how great it feels to be free and forgiven. You know, this morning we took communion, and I don't know about you, but after I confess my sin to the Lord and I ask for forgiveness and I take communion, there's always a moment there where I just feel really good. I feel free. I feel let go. I feel forgiven of everything that I've done that hasn't pleased the Lord. What a great feeling that is. What a great moment that is. And you and I know that. And others need to experience that. Everyone understands freedom and wants to live free. And we are slaves to sin. And Jesus' cross set us free. Everyone understands sacrifice. That we all get the concept that restitution or sacrifice needs to be made when we've done something wrong. We kind of all understand that. And the cross is Jesus' answer to that sacrifice. So talk about how it feels good to have someone sacrifice for you. Tell them about how you felt the first time and how you feel now. When the power of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross sets you free and you feel forgiven of everything you've ever done. See, the power of any spiritual conversation will always be the cross. So talk about the cross, Paul said. Number three, Paul said, the Apostle Paul, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, the man who went to jail for Jesus, who almost drowned in the open sea for Jesus, who was flogged for Jesus several times, beaten for Jesus several times, that man said, it's okay to be scared and feel weak. Wow, interesting. You would think a guy like Paul would say, I'm never scared to share Jesus. I never feel weak. But here's what he says right here in verse 3. I came to you in weakness. 
timid and trembling. Here's what we know, and here's what's great about this. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to feel weak. It's okay to feel inadequate. It's just not okay to stay there. It's not okay to let it paralyze you. It's not okay to let it freeze you up so that you don't do something courageous, even though you're scared, even though you're inadequate. Let me give you an example. Are you scared to be a parent? Or were you scared to be a parent? Uh Uh-huh. But I'll bet you money it didn't stop you from having sex. Just guessing. I'm just guessing. I'm throwing it out there. We talk about everything here at church at Cheney Faith Center. But I'm just guessing it didn't stop you from having sex. How about, do you feel inadequate to do school online in the fall again? If you're a student in here, probably. You probably do. But is it going to stop you from learning and growing and getting straight A's? No, it's not. Or straight B's or straight C's. No D's or F's. No, right? Parents in the room. We're not encouraging bad grades. But you might feel inadequate and you're like, I don't want to do school online. But it's not going to stop you. It can't stop you from learning and growing if you want to. Are you scared that you don't have all the answers to everyone's spiritual questions? Probably. But it can't stop us from telling others about Jesus. Are you, are you scared when the Seahawks play the 49ers? Of course you are. Of course you are. But it doesn't stop you from watching the game. See what I mean? Even though we're scared, even though we feel inadequate, it shouldn't stop us from doing certain things in our life or with our faith. Let me give you a couple more biblical examples. We have biblical heroes that we all love and enjoy in the Bible, right? But I think most of our biblical heroes were scared and probably felt inadequate. Let me give you an example. God comes to Noah and says, I want you to build a boat bigger than a football field, and he's never seen a boat bigger than about 10 feet. Do you think he felt a little inadequate? Do you think he said, "Uh, Lord, how in the world am I going to do that? What are you talking about? A boat that's three stories tall and that's bigger than a football field? Well, he didn't even know what a football field was. So he would have just been like enormous. But he had 120 years to build it. Was Moses scared to talk to Pharaoh? Yes. The Bible actually tells us that Pharaoh argued, that Moses argued with God and said, God, send someone else. I cannot do that. I can't do that. Send someone else. I'm not adequate to do that. And God said, no, I'm sending you. Were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah scared to get thrown in a fiery furnace? Probably not. They're just awesome. They just loved fire. (laughs) They were just kids that played with fire, loved fire, and they were just like, yeah, awesome, throw me in fire. No, I'm sure they were petrified. Was David scared of Goliath? I think he probably was. But what's interesting, in every single scenario, listen, the importance of the moment, the importance of their calling, the importance of what they knew they had to do 
in their relationship with God was stronger and more important to them than their fear, than their inadequacies. So Noah picked up a hammer every day for 120 years and built a giant boat. Moses went and stood before the most powerful king in the world. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah stood when everyone else kneeled. And David ran into the battle when everyone else was scared and running away. This is the difference between letting our fear and our inadequacy paralyze us and letting God do something significant in us because of the importance of the moment. Now let me show you another way to think about this. Paul said something about his life and his own weakness in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 because Paul continued to feel weak about something in his own life that just wasn't right and he had constantly been praying to the Lord about and it just was never getting fixed. And this was God's answer to Paul and how Paul processed it. Listen to it in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And God answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. Man, there's something extremely powerful there about our weakness. The first thing Paul said that I think is extraordinary or that God said to Paul is that God's power finds its full expression in our lives through our weakness. Now that makes no sense. How am I going to get stronger by being weaker? Like, rationally, in my rational mind, that makes no sense. Because in, our, in the system of our world, what have we been always told? You need to be stronger, smarter, awesomer, badder, so that you're number one. So do whatever you got to do to be better than the next guy so you can beat him or her. That's what the world always tells us. But God says, no, what I want you to do is surrender. I want you to surrender yourself to me. Now, if you start to think about the concept for a moment, it might make a little sense. Because God is all-powerful. Our power compared to God's power is nothing. Absolutely nothing. So what God is saying is, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to surrender your power and your weakness to me in exchange for my power. And when you surrender yourself to me, when you submit your life to me and your thoughts and your words, in your actions, your abilities, and your talents, when you surrender all of that to me, I will work through them and through you. 
And when my power is working through you, guess what? Nothing is impossible. In my own strength, in my own weakness, in my own power, there is unlimited possibilities of failure in my own strength. But in God's, nothing is impossible with God. So when God's working through you, then nothing is impossible for you. So Jesus says, surrender to me and I'll give you the strength and empower you to share with the world about Jesus. See, our mission to share Jesus with the world, to tell others about Jesus, is too important to let fear and inadequacy and our weaknesses stop us. You can tell others about Jesus because it's more important than your fear and because he will give you strength. Now let's talk about the fourth thing. Verse four tells us how to let God's power and strength flow through our weakness. And it's the fourth principle about telling others about Jesus. And it's really simple. It's just this. Rely on the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Here's what Paul said. When I came to you, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, look, can I tell you, this is good news. This is really good news. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit is inside of you. God's Spirit is living in you. That means what? You are never alone. Never. You're not alone. You're never alone. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. God himself resides in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, in your words, and in your actions. Now, this is what enables you and I to do hard things because God's spirit is in us. This is what enabled our biblical heroes to do hard things. Paul said, I relied on the Holy Spirit when I came to you and shared Jesus with the city of Corinth. He knew the Holy Spirit was always with him and he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit, not on his own power. Not on his own wisdom, on the Lord's wisdom. Now we see this all throughout scripture. David said it in Psalm 23, verse four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Here's the, a key that we see, a key principle we see all throughout scripture is that one of the things that allows us to do the things that God calls us to do is because we understand that it's not just me doing it, it's God doing it through me. He's right there with me. In my hardest time, in my best time, and everywhere in between, God is there with me. So here's two men doing extraordinary things in the midst of danger, and their motto was, I can do this because God is with me. So can I tell you this morning, you can tell others about Jesus because God is with you. Wherever you go, he's there. And he's going to give you the words to say, the actions to do. He's there. See, when we rely on the Holy Spirit and his power, anything is possible. 
He even gives us the words to tell someone about Jesus. In verse 13 of chapter 2, he said this, This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Ooh, that's good. Can I just show you something interesting here? There are spiritual realities. Right? There are spiritual realities. Just like there are physical realities. Physical realities are all around us. Gravity is a physical reality. If you throw something up, it's going to come down. That's a physical reality. You cannot stop it. It's always the same. Here's another physical reality. Tomorrow, the sun will rise. It's a physical reality. There's all kinds of things. Let me give you another physical reality. If Chad and I came up here and had an arm wrestling match, Chad's going to win 10 times out of 10. That's a physical reality because he's bigger and badder than me. That's why he plays the guitar so well. He's just awesome like that. Right? There are physical realities. Now, can I tell you something that is very true? There are also spiritual realities. So here's a physical reality. At some point, your body will get old and perish. I know. I know you don't believe it right now, Buck. But maybe when you're 142... You will realize that right now, you're still pretty fit and ready to go. But at some point, every one of us, our body is going to stop. There's, there's a timeline. That's a physical reality. But guess what? The spiritual reality is this. You are not your body. The real you is your spirit. This is only a tent. It's only a temporary home. That is, and during this time in our temporary home, we are supposed to be figuring out where our spirit will live for eternity. And we have the time, while in this physical body, this tent, to figure that out. That is a spiritual reality. There are also hundreds of spiritual realities about life right now that matter how I deal with sexual purity, what we think about what we say and the words we use, what marriage looks like. These are spiritual things that manifest themselves in the physical realm. But they started as physical realities in heaven as God declared them to us. These are spiritual realities and spiritual things that you and I get to talk to the world about. Here's another spiritual reality. When Jesus physically died on the cross, the spiritual reality that happened was that all of humanity could ask for forgiveness and receive it and be right with God. That was a physical and spiritual reality. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, 
That was a physical reality, but there was also a spiritual reality matched with it. And that is that when Jesus rose from the dead, it also meant that everyone who would believe in him could also rise from the dead. And death would no longer have a sting. Death would no longer have a hold on you because your Savior and King and Lord rose from the dead physically and spiritually. And now your soul and your spirit can live forever in eternity because you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. See, there are spiritual realities that we need to be talking about with spirit-taught words that are so much more superior than human wisdom, but it's up to you and I to tell others about Jesus and about these spiritual realities. Now, here's what's great. You can do that whenever, wherever. You can do it sitting in a break room with a coworker and the Holy Spirit is right there with you. You can do it at a family reunion and the Holy Spirit's right there while you're talking to Uncle Eddie. When you're sitting in your classroom or, or virtually online, the Holy Spirit is there with you. When you're talking with your neighbor, the Holy Spirit is there. Whenever and wherever. And you say, I may not know what to say, Pastor Mark. That's okay. The Holy Spirit is with you. You may not know what to do, but the Holy Spirit is there with you. And if we surrender and we're open to his voice and willing to obey him in the moment, then we can tell others about Jesus and miraculous things will happen. So here's what you can do. Just like Jesus said, go. Go and tell others about Jesus. Now, why should we do that? Why should we go and tell others about Jesus? Well, it's quite simple. No one else is. Is Google telling people about Jesus? Amazon? Walmart? College professors? Politicians? Nike? The Seahawks? The Niners? They telling anybody about Jesus? No. Those are all distractions from the most important spiritual reality that Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose again so that you and I might have eternal life. So let's go and tell the world the good news that we have. Would you stand with me? Let me remind you of our four things this morning. You don't need to use lofty words or impressive words. Talk about Jesus in the cross. It's okay to be scared and weak, just not okay to stay there and rely on the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? And those of you that are watching online, would you do the same? And just, uh, I just want to make a little moment here because I want to ask you something that's really important. Right now, you may feel scared about um, sharing Jesus with someone else. And maybe you've never even done it before. I mean, you love Jesus. 
And you know he loves you and you want to be in relationship with him. But this is a, this is a big step. This is a huge step in beginning to share Jesus with someone. But you recognize this morning that's what you need to start doing. You need to start relying on the Holy Spirit to help you with that. I want to give you an opportunity to just say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know who, but here's what I do know. I want to be a part of telling the world about you. Would you use me, my influence, everything I am and everything I have, would you use me to tell others about Jesus? If that's how you feel, even those of you online, would you just raise your hand right now? Just say, Lord, that's how I feel. That's what I want to do. Would you help me do it? Thank you. You can can put your hands down. Lastly, I just want to say, if if you're in the room or you're watching online and, and you don't, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, right now is a moment to do that. Right now as you're watching or right now in this room, if you recognize and what I need in my life right now today, in this crazy, troubling time, what I need is a Savior. And you want to just reach out to him right now and say, I want to start a relationship with you. Would you raise your hand right now just as a sign to God to say, God, I, I just want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to believe in you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Thank you. Jesus, we give you our praise and our thanks this morning. We thank you so much that we have something really good to share with the world. We have the best news to share with the world. And everybody likes good news and I would say today, our, our message sounds even greater because there's so much bad news. So Lord, would you help us be bearers of this good news? Holy Spirit, would you empower us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us? Would you help us every morning to wake up surrendered to your will? And would we be open throughout the day to hear your voice say, I want you to go share Jesus with that person. And in that moment, we we might start trembling. (laughs) We might start, oh, I don't know, Lord. I don't know if I can do that. Right in that moment, would you help us to surrender to you and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, but I'll obey you. I'll go. Just put the words in my mouth. Help me to know what to do or what to say. And just say yes and go. Lord, would you help us be people like that? Would you help us to do that? Would you help us to serve people? Would you help us to tell people about you? Would you help us to be people on mission? Because the message of Jesus Christ is more important than anything else in the world. Help us go and make disciples of all nations. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Well, thanks for coming this morning. Thanks for joining us online. So glad you are here. And always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.